This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening. Today we begin a three-part series on Food First Michigan, focusing on the Michigan economy and its impact on food security across the state. Michigan food banks have long known the direct correlation between the economy, work, and food security. Jerry Brisson, our co-host, has been a part of this work for some 30 years and remembers when the only screening question before sharing food with someone was to inquire on whether they were working or not. Work, as it relates to the economy, along with the unemployment rate in the context of self-sufficiency, are our topics here on Food First Michigan for the next several weeks. Today, we begin with Mr. Donald Grimes, a senior research area specialist at the University of Michigan's research seminar on quantitative economics. Jerry Brisson and Don Grimes join me next for a discussion of utmost importance as we move from a public health crisis to economic recovery and how the transition impacts the work of Michigan's Food Bank Network. You come back and be with us. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Don Grimes is with us, a senior research area specialist with the University of Michigan Research Seminar on Quantitative Economics. So, Don, welcome to Food First Michigan with me, Dr. Phil Knight, and Jerry Brisson. Up, You're welcome. So, uh, let's start with you. How about that? Um, tell us about you, and uh, you and Jerry, pre-show here, were uh, connecting on Folks, you knew. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, and then we'll go to the work that you guys have published. Uh, well, I uh, uh, graduated from Kalamazoo College with an undergraduate, and then uh, went to University of Michigan for my graduate work. And at the end of my first year of graduate school, I uh, hooked up with a research unit at the University of Michigan, and I've been working with them uh, since uh, 1978. So I've been doing uh, economic research that is focused on Michigan and its local economies uh, for uh, 40 years now. So I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> well, you've seen a few ups and downs, and we know that's yeah. one of the important things to, to recognize in the times we're in now is that uh, it's there's probably some things that are going to be somewhat cyclically normal if you want to think about it that way but it seems like there's an awful lot of other things that are not quite like anything we've ever had before and so you know you've you've just published a pretty thorough report looking at employment and uh and so we're very eager to hear your thoughts after all that hard work uh, well i work with a team so it's a team at rsqe that has done a lot of the work but um I think I'll try to represent their thinking as well as my own. Um, I think the one thing that you touched on it and, and what's really different about this recession is this is the first time that we have had a government mandated recession. 
I mean, the government basically went in and said, shut down businesses, shut down people, don't go to work. And so for the very first time in our history, this was a, a, a government-made, explicitly made recession. Now, that's actually an advantage because uh, when it did that, the government also knew that they were going to have very severe repercussions. And the response of the uh, Federal Reserve System and the federal government, both the Congress and the president, has been extraordinarily rapid and thorough. We you know, passed uh, over $2 trillion in uh, relief spending, including the CARES Act, which uh, has, has really helped out the economy uh, during this time and uh, provides us a, a bit of a boost, a, a quicker boost for the economic recovery that is coming. So at least in the initial stages, we're going to get uh, more of a V-shaped recovery. We're going to get a very rapid rebound, as we saw that we had over 2 million job gains in May, and we should probably pick up even more jobs in uh, in June. So the the recovery is looking well. As we do our work, and again, we, we work with people who are needing emergency food assistance, right? That's what food banks do all across the state. And so one of the biggest predictors of that need is unemployment, especially um, unemployment for people who don't have um, unemployment benefits, right? They're unemployed and they have no other source of income except maybe whatever whatever benefits they they can accrue or maybe they've got some savings or something else that they can use to try to make it through a tough time so when you start looking at the recovery and you start looking at who's going to come back sooner and and who it might take a little longer for is there any insight into what we can kind of think about you know that in a little bit more granular way yeah I this may be hard for you guys to believe, but given the spike that we had in the unemployment rate in uh, April and the fact that it's still over 13% in, in May nationally and, and 20% in Michigan, things should have been much worse for you. Um, I'm yeah. sure they're bad, but they, they should have been worse given the spike in the unemployment rate. Um, the fact that they weren't was was, was because we, we passed a lot of income support to Congress and the CARES Act. So. Um, Believe it or not, things should have been worse given the jump in the unemployment rate. But uh, and now we're getting a recovery, and we're going to tr- send the unemployment rate down both nationally and the state of Michigan over over the course of the next year, really the next couple of years. But what you did hint at is that there's some structural changes in the economy, which is going to leave the um, unemployment rate relatively high compared to recent history and create a great deal of economic distress for uh, uh, workers in industries that are have, have basically been permanently displaced. Um, for example, we're all well aware of, of uh, the downsizing that's been occurring in the retail trade industry, stores closing, uh, the COVID recession has uh, drastically accelerated this that process and so people who work used to work in retail stores some of them will be called back but a lot of those retail stores will be uh, permanently closed and so you're going to have a lot of workers who used to work in that industry who are going to be unemployed and in uh, in significant economic distress and a lot of those workers were relatively low wage to start with so uh, that while the peak in need for your services was not as great as the unemployment rate would have predicted. Um, 
you're going to get a it's it's going to stretch out for a very long time uh that we're going to have uh people needing food assistance for an extended period of time because the this covid recession has just accelerated uh drastically the transformation of the economy which is just eliminating hundreds of thousands if not millions of jobs nationally the biggest problem and and the reason why there was one of the things that I'm I'm understating is that a lot of people could not get their application for unemployment benefits uh through the system and that was a huge problem uh, uh around the country actually Michigan did relatively well in terms of processing claims but uh, around the country and some of the other states it was just horrific and uh, and almost criminal in the in the neglect in getting getting people money and uh, that's one of the things that uh we hopefully will learn is that the uh, government safety net programs, particularly unemployment insurance, they need to be able to do this much faster and much smoother for people right. uh, under these circumstances. Because it 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 really did. Uh, I mean, for a lot of people, it was it was greatly unfair, and they'll probably be mad when I say it. It could have been worse because if they didn't get the unemployment benefits, if they didn't qualify for that additional uh, federal assistance, things were really bad for them. So I I uh, I guess you're always in danger when you speak in generalities of of having somebody hear you and say well for me it didn't work and that's true for a lot of people it didn't but overall it was it was better than we could have expected yeah exactly right well and you talk about putting it in context for us and our work um prior to covid the network the seven america food banks in the state would on average, do 2.5 to 2.8 million pounds every week across the state, serving all of Michigan's 83 counties. Since it's been more like 4.3 million pounds of emergency food every week, so you know, it has been a, quite the challenge for our infrastructure and our teams for sure. They're heroes in my mind every day, putting themselves and their health at risk to make sure people got the food that they needed. But I'm, you know, I think it does make me feel a little bit better that, my gosh, it could have been even worse than it was when you look at how high the unemployment soared and peaked. Um, and that's my, do you, are you confident that we have peaked in regard to unemployment here in Michigan? Uh, yes, I believe it has. Uh, you know, it's come down nationally. Uh and, uh, you know, there's an expansion, opening up of more and more places, so people will be getting hired. So uh, we we do believe that the unemployment rate has, has peaked. Um, it, it's a, a, the actual number that gets reported sometimes is a little bit uh, distorted because of the process. But uh, so, so we won't really know until later this month the May number for Michigan. Nationally, the May number declined. Um, that's an indication that Michigan's uh, number in, in May will be a little lower than, than in April, but there's no guarantee because of how they compile the data. Uh, so it could go up a little bit in May, but we think it's it's basically peaked. Certainly by the time we get to June, uh, the numbers will be down. And just to be clear, one of the things that really drove that initial need for us was the closing of the schools. So yes, unemployment is one of the biggest drivers of people coming, especially over time. But the schools and the and the meals that kids get in school is another big, big factor for what help families need. And so we always see a little spike in need every summer when school is out. Well, when schools closed in March, families didn't have time to prepare. You know, for yep. summer vacation, they know it's coming and they can prepare. For this one, schools were shut down. Those 
And I will, I will give credit to the Michigan Department of Education and the school districts for doing what they could in a very short time period to make sure they could do something to help those families. But food banks really stepped in in a lot of ways to just directly reach those families who were depending on those school meals. So that's that was probably the first and biggest wave in the people that we saw coming for help before even unemployment in this case. Yeah, I mean... You know, you, the number of people who were unemployed in the state went up by 600% in one month. I mean, Gosh. yeah, your your needs, the amount of food that you had to deliver went up, if I remember your numbers, by about 60%. But the number of people who were unemployed went up by 600%. So yeah. you could you think about had, needing to provide uh, 12 and a half million pounds of, of food a week. Uh, as For a week, if, yeah. If, uh, you know, that's a, uh, you, you know, that would have been impossible. So uh, the the truth is, is things uh, did, I mean, uh, given what transpired, this, it may have been as, as good as we could have hoped, although we should learn something about making sure that we have a better safety net in terms of immediately getting benefits to people from the unemployment insurance system so nobody goes in. But this all, you know, we're still going to have this long-term structural problem that's going to mm. uh, undoubtedly leave the demand for your services at an elevated level. I mean, and maybe even an increasing level because there's a significant risk that unemployment benefits will be cut at the end of July. And people are going to run out of those benefits and they may still be uh, unable to find work. Um, so the uh, uh, longer term prospects for the increased need for food services will remain high and may even increase. Even if the unemployment rate comes down, the demand for your services may increase. All right, Don, we want to pick that up on the other side of this break. That's Jerry Brisson. This is Don Grines. He's a senior research area specialist at the University of Michigan. He's our guest today. You folks come back and be with us. We'll be right here in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, and our guest, Don Grimes from the University of Michigan, a research uh, senior, uh, an area specialist. Don is is really your title, which it you know I think we're talking to the right guy, Jerry. He's uh, Don. You seem to be so um, in tune with where we're at, not just nationally, but specifically here in Michigan, and we appreciate you being with us today. You're welcome. So, Jerry, um, you know, we're kind of thinking about what's next for us. Um, we've kind of come through the public health crisis, and hopefully everybody's going to continue to social distance and wash their hands and wear their mask in public and, and so that we don't have the uh, resurgence of COVID-19 as we move toward the summer and the fall. But uh, we're looking at this as a, it's got a pretty tale as well. Well, you know, I think what all of the food banks in Michigan are starting to do is 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 think about, you know, okay, the immediate term we've we've responded to, we the the communities have been very satisfied with that response. We've been able to address much of the immediate sort of panic and then 
uh, aftermath of the of the COVID, you know, response by both the state and federal government. Some good, some challenging. But we're starting to go, okay, well, what is this going to mean by the end of summer? And what is it going to mean as we go into the holiday season and then into our next uh, years as far as we look at our fiscal year planning and budgeting? And so, Don, I know, you know, it's hard to have a crystal ball on, on anything from the economic point of life. In fact, don't they call economics the dismal science? Isn't that the one of the nomenclatures for it? Yes, although that's that, that's basically because we're the bearers of bad news most of the time. <laughs> but in any case, what are your thoughts? Again, a little more a little more in depth on what we can expect for the next, let's just say, six, twelve, and eighteen months. Well, the unemployment rate is going to remain high, uh, certainly for the uh, in the state of Michigan for the next six months. Uh, it'll be in double digits. Maybe for the next 12 months, it'll be in double digits. Uh, so it's going to remain uh, very high in the state of Michigan. And and uh, and that's going to be a problem because people are not going to be able to uh, to, to make a living uh, in order to pay for food and other necessities. And and you also have to realize that the uh, this recession, the co like mostly typical of most recessions, but uh, this COVID recession in particular had a very uh, significant adverse effect on, on people working in lower wage jobs in the restaurant and hospitality industry, uh, in leisure services, working in parks and, and other places, and also working in retail trade stores. So the, those those are the jobs that have been most severely impacted, and uh, those are the people who tend to have the least resources uh, to to, uh, to survive um, without a, a steady source of income. So it's a it's going to be a very severe challenge for lower income uh, Americans and and especially Michigan residents over the next uh, certainly over the next year and and probably longer. So if you were going to give us a uh, uh, a framework for that in terms of if it's double-digit unemployment, uh, what is that in real numbers? Well, that means you can't retire anytime soon. <laughs> um, so that's a real number. <laughs> um, you know, you're looking at uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, in Michigan, mm -hmm. probably about uh, 400,000 workers, and of course, uh, the, with their families and so forth, that probably represents people, uh, maybe uh, six or 700,000 people uh, in their households who are uh, ha have lost one of their breadwinner's jobs. And even though the, there's been some significant government support, that a lot of that runs out. The, the government uh, extra $600 a month payment um, is scheduled to run out. Hopefully they'll expend, uh, extend some sort of a federal government assistance to, to families uh, beyond July, um, but that's not a sure thing. Um, and and uh, you know that means that there's going to be a great need uh, for continued uh, support for people going forward for for literally years. Uh, you know this is not this is. We've, we were in the process of a lot of these uh, changes occurring. You know, retail stores, uh, brick-and-mortar stores were getting hit by the Internet. Uh, right. People were uh, making all sorts of uh, transformations in the economy. Um, and 
yeah, it, it, this just sort of accelerated a lot of those trends, and, and it did change some of our behavior in terms of going out to restaurants. I mean, who knows when they're going to be allowing fans back into sports stadiums, right? And there's a lot of people who work in these sports stadiums and low-wage jobs uh, providing food services and, and taking tickets. You know, uh, are they going to be able to be reemployed anytime soon? You know, it, that may be after the first of the year. I mean, there may be nobody going to any of these football games or hockey games or basketball games until they, we get a vaccine distributed widely. So you may be looking right. at people who used to work in those positions that are just gone for for a year or more. Um, and, and obviously there are a lot of people who are therefore going to lose a lot of money. You know, when we think back on the Great Recession, um, the you know, we, we saw the the big closure starting in 2007, things ramped up by 2008. And I want to say we ended up losing permanently about four or 500,000 jobs in the state. Um, I, you might know better than I do. That's, that's my memory, and it might not be as good as it should be. But, uh, but this is even more than that. It's, it's well, even more job loss than then. Uh, we ended up uh, sort of, if, if you look at the, from two, the year 2000, which was the peak until... Uh, until 2019, uh, which which was the other peak, on an annual basis, you, we basically lost about 150,000 jobs permanently uh, during the uh, the lost decade and uh, and the Great Recession. So it's about 150. Um, now we don't think we're going to. I mean, we, we're temporarily going to be down, but you know, by the end of uh, 2022, we may only be down 100, 150,000 jobs. So, you know, we'll make up a lot of the job losses, but they're going to be very concentrated among particular types of workers, the workers being right. uh, lower wage, less educational attainment. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, you hate to say that the rich are getting richer. They may not, but the poor are certainly going to get poorer uh, over the, because of this COVID recession. And so I think that the, you know, the people who work in, uh, Professional jobs, jobs where they were able to work at home, uh, people like me, uh, to be frank, uh, we did okay with this recession. Uh, but a lot of the people who were who were in these lower wage jobs that uh, depended on uh, in-person contact, they took a huge hit, and they're not coming back anytime soon. Hey guys, let's take a quick break here. We want to come back and talk with uh, Don Grimes, a senior research area specialist at the University of Michigan. Research for seminar on quantitative economics. That's a mouthful, Don, but um, <laughs> we're enjoying having you. I think you're informing us, and uh, the report that you guys have published is certainly helping us understand how long this COVID tail, uh, COVID 19 tail, is going to be and how it impacts the work of the food banks across the state. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back in just a moment. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here on Food First, Michigan. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson, and our guest, Don Grimes, from the University of Michigan, helping us understand exactly the economic uh, recovery and the impact it has on the work of the food banks across the state. And uh, you guys were having a great show off air there. I had to interrupt you so we can get this on air. And uh, you're talking a little bit about food prices, Don, and what you see in that area. And Jerry, you have a, 
a perspective about housing as well. So, Don, what about food prices? Well, uh, food prices took a huge jump in, in April and, and May, as I'm sure anybody who's gone to the grocery store notices. Part of that was a reflection of, of uh, 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 shortages and, and costs of, of meat uh, products. Also, grocery stores have had to implement uh, substantial uh, safety and uh, uh, processes, uh, cleaning, and uh, and additional employees. So there's an additional cost that's going into these grocery stores. So that means that food prices have have increased and are likely to stay elevated uh, going forward, which of course will create uh, uh, greater problems for people who are on the lower income in terms of being able to buy food. It's one of the most flexible parts of a budget for a person who's low income, right? So there are things you have to pay every month. You have to pay rent. And what we were talking about was, you know, rent probably isn't going to go down for people. It's it's probably not likely, at least not anything that I've seen so far. So they got to pay rent. They got to pay their utilities. Um, they have to pay for the the fixed parts in their life, whether that's a car or or fuel to get to work or whatever those things are. They they have to pay those. So when you get right down to it, the the most flexible parts of their budget are, you know, whether they can turn the air conditioning down in the summer or turn the heat down in the in the winter or how much they spend on food. And so a lot of the work that we do besides just distributing food is is really helping people budget and prepare the right kind of nutritious meals for their families. And a lot of food banks are involved in that work because we know how important it is for, for the families that come to us for help to be able to manage that part of their budget. But with that part of their budget increasing, and there's also going to be real bumps in childcare. Um, you know, child the whole childcare industry was affected by um, the COVID realities too, and they have to spend more money. And the same things you mentioned with grocery stores, um, childcare organizations have to, you know, have safety measures and other protocols in place. And of course, the school system is grappling with that too. So we do see a lot of very specific challenges ahead for the families that come to us for help, not, not just because of unemployment, but these other things that we're talking about. Um, Don, what what else would you say as you're thinking about from your perspective on where Michigan is going and the kinds of challenges we're going to have? Are we missing any big things at this point in this conversation that it would be, yeah, let's, you know, let's cover that, make sure people know. And uh, and of course, one of our motivations in, in all of this is so our listeners can understand this is what we're going to be grappling with. We believe that food security is a solvable problem. But in order to do it, you have to be smart, you have to be systematic, and you really got to be proactive, not just reactive. So you're helping us be proactive, Don. What are we forgetting? Um, well, I, I'm very concerned about uh, state and local government city budgets, uh, including school districts. Uh, the uh, uh, COVID recession took a huge hit on some of their major revenue sources, including the sales tax. So... Uh, people may end up in better financial shape, but I'm really worried about the financial shape that our, our governments are going to find themselves. Uh, and of course, that means that uh, if they don't have the revenue, you, you can either cut services um, and cut grants, uh, or you can increase taxes. Uh, you know, that that's challenging in a time when people are, are, are themselves facing cuts. Uh, so, uh, even if it's necessary, I think that's going to be a, a real issue going forward. Hopefully, again, the federal government will provide some 
some sort of a bailout funds for the uh, state and local governments. But even beyond that, going forward, uh, we're going to be in a, a challenging time in terms of the state and local governments because, again, there's going to be more and more demands for needs for their services and, and less revenue coming in. And that's on a you know on a on a quasi permanent basis. So I'm really afraid for what's going to happen to governments. Don, can you help us, uh, listeners, understand um, the report that you guys have uh, have furnished? Uh, is it is it accessible to the public? I see. I'm looking at a news release that was updated on April the 9th about the United States and Michigan economic outlook for. 2020 to 2022. Is that available online somewhere? Yep. Yeah. Well, the uh, our you can go to our website rsqe at the University of Michigan, and uh, you'll see a, a section where you can look for our forecasts, and you'll see our uh, executive summary of our uh, national and uh, state forecast uh, available. Those are one or two page summaries and a report that we just completed for Washtenaw County, Michigan. Um, uh, that's a PDF file. It's a much bigger report. Uh, and it has a lot of information on the national and state uh, forecast and embedded in that uh, Washtenaw County forecast. So that'd be worth taking a look at too, even if you don't uh, look at Washtenaw County. Uh, that information is all public. Uh, we uh, have a subscription service for the more detailed information. Uh, we participate, probably the biggest use of our forecast, at least our state forecast, is for the consensus revenue uh, uh, generating forecast for the state government. And then right. we provide a lot of uh, local information. We also provide some forecasting work for the city of Detroit. Um, so RSQE at the University of Michigan, and you can find our, our latest uh, work, at least in summary form. So one one of the things that jumped out at me at the report there is um, that most estimates it says shows that thirty to forty percent of jobs can be done from home. That's that's amazing to me. Now my team at the food bank council, we've done that. We've worked from home and we had a pretty flexible work environment before COVID. We got real flexible after COVID or during COVID, but uh, that. That's got to have an impact on the economy moving forward. And how would that look? Um, well, it, it probably will have an adverse effect on, uh, on use of office space. So office, uh, there'll be fewer people working at their office. Maybe they'll go in less frequently. That I mean, I'm expecting that certainly to happen. That'll hurt right. a lot of the restaurants in terms of uh, uh lunch business, for example. So you're mm -hmm. gonna, it's going to be a big transformation of, of a lot of areas where people have, uh, have sort of uh, adapted to this need for social distancing during COVID and, and the recession, and that a lot of those uh, habits and, and needs will continue going forward. So you won't have as much activity uh, probably in, in downtown areas during, uh, uh, during the day as you had historically as people use uh, you know, stay at home instead of uh, going to the office. Uh, right. So, so there'll be a lot of transformation. This will, this is a, uh, we think a very, a big, big change, fundamental change. I mean, another aspect may be that you, you run the risk of, uh, of people leaving cities. Uh, I know there's a big concern in New York city and Chicago and some of the other large cities that have been particularly hard hit by, uh, the COVID, uh, outbreak that people may just decide that they're uh, not going to stay in 
in uh, mm -hmm. uh, very tight, you know, limited space. I mean, they want they want a little more space. If you're if you're stuck at home in a in a small apartment in New York City, that's a lot different than being stuck at home in a in a larger house in the suburbs. So there may be some movement out of cities. Uh, yeah, you know, we don't know, but this is a big big event in our lives. Absolutely. I can hey, tell this, you this. I grew up in the UP, and they, they're scared that people are going to be leaving the city, too. <laughs> <laughs> the UP could use a few more people up there. It would be a good thing if, uh, if people moved to the Upper Peninsula. And, and uh, I mean, I know everybody would like to keep their... Uh, uh, keep from having been overrun by by too much population, but they could use a few more people in the Upper <laughs> Peninsula. So I encourage anybody who wants okay. to move there or uh, or elsewhere in the Upper Upper East Side of Michigan, up near Alpena, go for it because uh, population yeah. growth in those areas would be good. It would be for sure. Don, it's been very, very helpful and interesting to have you on the show with us today. Um, we talk about trying to put the cookies on the right shelf so everybody can have some. That is, everybody can understand. You put the cookies on the right shelf for me today. I appreciate it. And how everything in the economy seems to be interconnected. And um, I, I love your perspective. And I hope that you'll agree to come back and be with us again in the future. That'd be good hopefully with a little better economic news. Well, we'll look forward to it either way, seeing you. And uh, so thanks for being with us today. Jerry and I are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry, I like Don Grimes. He's smart. He is smart, and we're lucky to have smart people to work with as we try to imagine what is our life going to be like in the next 6, 12, and 18 months, and maybe even a little bit longer. And, of course, some of the things that we've talked about amongst ourselves as food bankers, Don certainly put right front and center, there's going to be a tail to this. It's going to be pretty long. It's going to affect the people who are already low income and struggling probably more than the people who aren't. And so we have to be prepared for longer lines and more people in need. I mean, that was pretty succinct and pretty clear. Well, and I, I think it's important for us to think about policy as well. And I know that we are, um, you know, because the, um, some, of the, some of the policies are in place uh, are not going to be positioned well to help the people that he's describing. The ones who go back to work but are going to end up with more month than they do money. Yeah, and we've talked uh, quite a bit on this show about integrating um, all of the a person's benefits with the rest of their income so that as they get income, they're not disincentivized to work, right? And now probably it's a more important topic than it's ever been because we're going to see a lot of people in exactly that situation, that as they go back to work and start to make money again, uh, they're going to find that the their benefits tail off too quickly for them to really make sense of the, the household revenue. And when there's so many, I mean, he mentioned hundreds of thousands of people who are gonna be displaced and have to figure this out. Boy, would it be helpful to have those, those uh, benefits integrated so that they, they knew there was a path for them uh, to their success, which is what everybody wants. Well, and we define success on this show as self-sufficiency, where people don't right need us or the government in order to um, to not just survive, but also thrive. 
Well, we're going to keep talking about this over the next couple of weeks, Jerry. We're going to have Lori Richard, who is the uh, CEO for Edge Partnerships, a marketing firm based out of Lansing. But she's also the chairman of the board, uh, chairperson of the board, chairwoman of the board for the Small Business Association. She's going to be on with us. And then the Food Bank Council, we published a report that kind of uh, estimates how unemployment is uh, impacting the rate of food insecurity across the state. And that guest will be our, our own Dr. Dawn Opal in the coming weeks. So I'm looking forward to those these conversations with you and our guest, and certainly with Don Grimes from the University of Michigan today. So I guess it's time for a little food for thought. The public health crisis has altered our lives. Its impact on how we live, work, and dream is dramatic. The effects on the economy across the world, nation, and our state are difficult to comprehend. Yet whether we grasp it or not, it will grasp us and probably already has. Prior to the pandemic, we talked on this show about the low unemployment rate, yet so many in our society were struggling with basic needs. They had more month than money. By studying the pandemic, the resources made available, the economy and its relationship to basic needs like food security, I am hopeful that we can arrive at some informed ideas that will have far-reaching effect on the economies of our state, as well as the economy of the people we serve. We are striving to learn, adapt, do better, and be better. I hope you'll stick with us over the next few weeks as we unpack this topic. Until then, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.